Welcome to the Zulu Time podcast, a straight talking conversation between two watch enthusiasts about the world of military watches. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the 29th episode of the ZT podcast with your host Dan from Timely Underscore Moments. So uh, today is the first episode, as it were, of what I'm going to call the collector interview series or the collector's interviews. Uh, I've managed to coerce a friend of mine to come on. Uh, he's obviously uh, the first person that we're going to throw through this new um, format of an episode and he's come on to talk about himself uh his watches um how he uses his watches in both his work and his uh other pastimes and then we're just gonna have a chat um about all of that kind of stuff and then we'll finish off with a new venture that he's looking at uh well he has begun to start um and then we'll finish with the standard closing note so without further ado drew how you doing bud Good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. How do you feel about being the first person that I've dragged onto this podcast uh, to talk about watches? Yeah, uh, I'm excited to be here. You know, uh, I, when you asked me to be on, I said, you know, I'm humbled. Uh, I'm not like a tier one operator. Like, you know, some of the guys you've had on have quite the uh, resume and, uh, you know, I collect watches and that's about, <laughs> that's about all I bring to the table. So. Yeah, I'm excited well, to be here. I'm really grateful for you to be here. Uh, and you, you, ha- you have a very interesting collection of watches. And we're obviously going to delve into some of those um, as we go through today's episode. Um, but you're also obviously a very humble person. And you say that you're not a tier one operator, but you do have a pretty intense job, um, which is a job which I definitely could not do. Um, so why don't you go ahead and tell Ellen, obviously the listeners about a bit about what you do. Um, Sure. Yeah, I'm a I'm a firefighter here in the states. Uh, been in the fire service for uh, this is my 19th year now. Uh, started so I grew up in Arizona. I started as a wildland firefighter, and so that's basically like um, you know when you see your big forest fires and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, that's what we did. I did that for a few seasons, and then saw the uh, the right on the wall as far as having a long career. Mm-hmm. was going the structure route and so that's kind of how I got into that and uh you know we kind of talked about it you know to me I love what I do that's there's nothing else I'm qualified to do <laughs> but uh you know it's just my job and you know I don't think it's really anything uh you know too special but you know yeah that's that's just what I do and really love it well, I'm really glad that you obviously enjoy what you do as well, because I've we've spoken about uh, obviously some of the kind of calls you get sent to. Um, and what's interesting is the difference in firefighting in UK compared to America. Um, so I've obviously had uh, a few colleagues of mine posted to America for various instruction roles. And obviously I went out last year to California uh, where we kind of got to see the stationed firefighters on the training area, the mili- like the military training area where we were. And I think where it kind of differs massively from, like I said, from my interpretation uh, from America to Britain is where you guys can also get stuff like paramedic qual- qualifications as well, which surprised me. So our, as far as I'm aware anyway, um, at least our firefighters are primarily uh, fire and rescue. So it's it's obviously um firefighting and then obviously getting called to stuff like um car accidents etc um or you know rescuing from at height um and then um, there's also the ability to work with uh the police diving units as well so if they're like having to do underwater rescues and that kind of stuff but in terms of like paramedic qualifications i don't think they actually get many because obviously we hand that off to our paramedics as well so that for right. me was quite an interesting difference from obviously uh how you guys operate over there so absolutely and uh so i am a paramedic as well mm-hmm. uh, and we do a large portion of our calls are ems calls or medical calls yeah and uh well my department doesn't run ambulances uh there's private companies that do here in the city where i work 
but uh, we go to every medical call. And just because of how many stations we have and how they're laid out throughout the city, uh, usually we're the first ones there. Yep. And that's why we're trained to where we are so that we can start rendering the care that we need to first. But, uh, you know, here in the States, it just works really well that way. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the way it's moved over the, you know, past few years where fires got more involved with EMS and it provides a better service for, you know, the citizens that you, that you serve, obviously. Of course. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it may, you know, not that my opinion is going to change how the British operate or, 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 you know, in terms of a society, but I think maybe uh, if it hasn't begun already, I think that's probably something that our fire service uh, uh, should definitely look into, um, especially in the more quiet areas where obviously out in the country, we do have still for such a small country compared to, uh, compared to America, we do absolutely have some quite out far flung, little villages and all that kind of stuff where we have uh, retained firefighters who aren't full-time uh, or community fire service and that as well. So maybe that could be a route in the future. Maybe it might work. I'm not too sure. Um, before we go any further into the episode, I've just realized we've missed the uh, inaugural wrist check of this series. So Drew, what have you got on your wrist, bud? So, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned the other day, I feel like I should channel my, channel my uh, inner Darren and say I have a Samsung on, but uh, <laughs> actually yes. I've got the singing Tad Merlin on the uh, Zool Alpha back, Blackbird strap. Fantastic. We both have the same watch as well. How, do you, how have you found it since, you, since you've received it? Have you enjoyed it as you know, much as I have? I absolutely love it. Uh, the size is perfect for my wrist. Uh, as we'll get into it, you know that I'm a huge singing fan, but um, I absolutely love this one. It's a great yeah, watch. I agree. I think it's really cool. I like the, the the tech difference in it as well in terms of having a solar movement. I think that the, the way that the dials were made is because is, it's slightly see-through. I think mm -hmm. it adds just a completely different look compared to his other watches. And I've been fortunate to own uh, his Neptune Diver as well. Um, before I uh, moved it out of my collection, because I think uh, for me the Merlin is basically the the, the only ta um, the only Sangin model for me. So so yeah, I'm glad that we both have the same watch and we both enjoy it uh, to the same level. It seems. Um, so yeah, I guess we're going to move on to a bit of watch talk now, and I'm going to ask you that invariable question, which is what got you into watches, if anything, uh, specifically. Sure. Are you currently wearing your Merlin or what are you wearing today? Oh, so um, I'm not wearing my Merlin. I've gone British today. Uh, <laughs> so you're like this. Um, I've got my new uh, Elliot Brown uh, uh, automatic. automatic on. Yeah. Uh, it's on their, their proprietary like AOE, um, NATO nylon band, which is in really interesting. So it's got a very interesting kind of like butterfly kind of buckle, which is at one end is kind of like cinched through itself and then the other end is kind of like free flowing it's really quite unique um but what it allows for is infinite adjustability which is quite interesting uh, yeah. so that's what i've got on today it wears fantastic um i really like the fact that it's an automatic it's got a um nh35 inside it eating away which is obviously a really robust um automatic movement um but it just seems to be a completely different watch compared to the quartz version uh, and as you know, I've owned both the Quartz version. In fact, I've owned two versions of the Quartz watch uh, and now the automatic. Um, and EB are just fantastic. So there you go. That's what I've got on today. I, um, I really do like the looks of those automatics. And they're, they're definitely on my radar for possible future watches. Yeah. No, I would... I would tell anyone to have a look at them for, especially within like the level, I guess the accessibility in terms of the price compared to other watches that we will obviously uh, we've ex been exposed to. It's a lot of watch for the money. Um, yeah. And also as a company, um, both Ian and Alex who obviously run the company are just very approachable gentlemen, uh, really good guys. And they'll talk to you about how they build them, how they make them, why they've done certain things. Um, and, you know, I, I guess for me as well, the other side of it is they're very supportive of the military, which is very cool. So, so yeah, uh, that's my wrist check. Um, yeah, let's get into it then. So what actually got you into watches, Drew? Because I know that you've got a very extensive collection. Um, so, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking about that and as far as I can remember, I've just really always enjoyed the look of watches. Mm -hmm. 
I was never really a big watch wearer per se. I just, there's something classic looking about watches, you know, and um, you definitely as a watch collector, collector, you notice what other people are wearing. Mm -hmm. um, the first watch I can remember having, and I was in first grade or kindergarten, um, was this watch I got out of a cereal box. Mm -hmm. And I love the watch. I ended up losing it on a playground. That was back for the uh, Zula Alpha Strap days. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, uh, one thing you probably don't know about me is I'm actually a big uh, Disney fan. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know uh, that. But random. But okay. uh, when I grew up in Arizona, we used to go out to Disney a lot, so I just kind of became a fan and started collecting some Disney watches. So I have a couple, uh, and that's really kind of what got me going down the watch collecting. Yeah area and then obviously uh with work uh mm -hmm. you know we've got so much technology now that you probably don't need to wear a watch and some guys don't but um it just really makes your life a lot easier when you do yeah. have a watch on so yeah you uh you can't always uh pull your phone out your pocket can you in some of the, yeah, in the situations yeah. that you that you find yourself in so i guess having a watch on your wrist or i guess on you in terms of maybe even on your gear i don't know uh is obviously a lot more uh practical than pulling your phone out halfway through a through a, a call as it were You're um, I didn't realize that you were that big a Disney fan. I'm going to have to explore this <laughs> after the podcast. Um, but I got that kind of ties in with my first watch, Drew, which was actually a, a Buzz Lightyear watch. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I think I knew that. I think you posted something about that one time. Yeah, I, I, I managed to find it. I managed to, I, so I lost the original, you know, a similar story to you. I don't know where I lost it. Um, Cause obviously I was about five or six, but um I managed to refine the exact same watch, um, brand new in packet. So I had to just, you know, give in and buy it just to get it back into the collection. So, yeah, wow. so there you go. Exactly. And also the, the case glowed in the dark, which is obviously really cool. So even as a 28 year old man, I look at that and think that's really cool. Uh, and I have the same joy uh, that I had as, uh, as a six year old child. Um, okay. So that's enough about uh, my obsession with uh, glow in the dark watches and, and Buzz Lightyear. Um, but, you said obviously you've got some Disney watches. You obviously have, um, you said that you're obviously a big Tad uh, Sangin fan and you obviously own the, the Tad Merlin. Uh, what other watches do you have in the collection at the moment? Uh, so, yeah, I've got, uh, I've got a number and uh, like I said, I, I really am a big Sangin fan. You know, uh, you obviously know Jake and Paris run Sangin Instruments. Yeah. Um, and they do such a great job with their watches and they keep them affordable uh the awesome thing about them is if you email them or you message them you're getting them yeah you know they're the ones that are responding back to you and i know people get frustrated because their watches are hard to come by sometimes and but the fact that there's two of them making those watches i think it's absolutely you know it's just incredible so uh i've got the first kinetic in the dlc that they've got yeah uh, i have the atlas which is for the most part my everyday uh work watch yeah thing is just a tank um obviously you know i've got the tad merlin and then the uh, professional as well and i will say as much that's hard for me to pick out a favorite saying uh yeah I got the professional and it has barely left my wrist since I've got it. Mm -hmm. The other thing about sayings and we can kind of get into that too, how I got into them. Uh, they're tested for so long before they get out to the market. Yeah. You know, and he puts them on wrists of people that are doing real work like seals. Yeah. You know, uh, his new uh, watch coming out, he's put on the wrist of airborne guys so uh um what got me to singing was i had bought uh, a couple hundred dollar watch for work was wearing it i didn't have it that long i was wearing it i popped a pin on it on a call fell yeah. off and it busted mm -hmm. uh, so i was like man you know a couple hundred dollars still a couple hundred dollars 
you don't want to just waste that kind of money. Yeah, exactly. So I think I found singing through uh, Instagram, probably some of the guys that I follow, like Softly and that kind of thing. Um, they're, you know, five, 600 bucks is a pretty good chunk of change. But considering what you get, I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. I got the Atlas. But then after spending that kind of money, I was like, man, I don't want to lose another watch. Mm -hmm. to yeah. breaking. Yeah. So somehow, again, I stumbled across uh, Zulu Alpha straps. And those have been on my watches ever since. And, you know, we were kind of talking the other day. And I guess it surprised some people that I wear my watches like into fires. Yeah, yeah. And it's, just, you know, that's just what I do. It didn't occur to me that that might be strange. But when we're at work and we get a call, I don't take my watches off. They just go wherever I go. Mm -hmm. And so knowing what the sayings have been through and what Darren puts his straps through at Zulu Alpha, you know, I, I know that they're going to stay on. And I know I'm yeah. not going to have issues. Yeah. And with saying and, and Zulu Alpha, I'm sure if you have any issues, they take care of it. Definitely, know? yeah. But uh, yeah, and a bit like what you're saying is as well, like not only would they, I guess, you know, they'll take care of you, but when you email them with a problem, it's the people who make them that you're speaking to. It's not, you know, right. like I said, someone who's been employed by them or like you said, someone who's like, I guess, you know, within the customer service department who doesn't actually see the gear and it just answers emails. It is actually the people who are building these things, testing these things and sending them out. So, yes. Uh, but to go a little further in my collection, I of course have the uh, Elgin that uh, I got off you. Yep. And that's just a great watch. I love the patina on that watch. Obviously, you know the history, both my grandparents served in World War II. Mm -hmm. So that's a, a special watch to me. I have uh, one of my grandfather's Omegas that was actually um, a year of service award for the, the company that he worked for. Mm -hmm. And uh, you've seen that one as well. And that's just, it's such a pretty watch. It's just a sharp looking watch. And it's uh, also, it always surprises me when you send me a photo of it because it always surprises me that a firefighter is wearing a gold dress watch because it's so <laughs> unlike what every, every other watch that you send me or we talk about in general. Yeah. You know, it's always, a, like I said, slightly more tooly or if it is a vintage watch, it still has some, something linked to it being a tool or at least it's a stainless steel watch. But then occasionally you throw in this, uh, this Amiga um, gold dress watch and I'm just like, yes this is fantastic you know <laughs> every time it's just it's just great it's just a great watch and uh i think even if you're not a watch collector when you see that watch it just kind of you just you, you notice it you know yeah and it's not big it's a smaller watch compared yeah. to today's standards but it's just nice and it's meaningful that it's one that he wore all the time it's got some scratches on it stuff like that because you know he wore it you know and yeah exactly We've talked about that too, when it comes to washers, you know, both you and I agree that they're made to wear, you know, mm -hmm. and there's some that, you know, like the Omega, uh, I obviously don't wear it to work. You know, I wear it when I'm, we're going out yeah. for dinner or we're just bumming around the house here. So, uh, but yeah. And then I've also got a couple of pocket watches. One was, uh, my dad's that he got in the fifties and then, uh, uh, Elgin pocket watch that I think if memory serves, they saw it back to 1916. Okay. And the best we can think is that it was my great grandfather's watch. So, mm -hmm. and it still, it still runs great. And that's, that's really cool. That's the cool thing. That's one of the cool things I love about watches is that they can just get passed down from generation to generation. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there's so few things these days that last like that that you might be making a little investment, you know, today, but they're going to last you and they're going to be with you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, my Atlas is pretty much my work watch. That thing's on, you know, it's probably going to be with me most of my career. Mm -hmm. It'll last, I'm sure, as long as my career. And I'm probably going to wear it most days of my career. So, you know, and that's also the watch I was wearing when I got engaged. And so they just, they're there with you during, you know, special yeah. times and, you make memories along with those watches and that's just just the cool thing that i think watch collectors understand and maybe non-collectors don't 
Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. With you. Like I said, it's uh, you can make an investment in financially off some of these, you know, these watches if you buy them right or you know you collect them at the right time or whatever. But I think for me, the investment that you get on a sentimental value in terms of, like you said, uh, memories associated with each watch is probably far surpasses the amount of money that you ever will spend on it. Uh, yeah. And like you said, and then you can pass it on, and then who you pass it on to uh, will have the memory of, I guess, yourself. Um, and then, like I said, the memories attached to the watch through the stories that you tell about that watch as well. And I think that's great. Um, I'm definitely uh, in agreement with you. I think your Atlas will definitely outlast your career <laughs> as well as outlast you probably if you if you look after it well enough. Um, yeah. And, and I don't doubt I don't doubt that at all. So, uh, so well, you know, and even looking like at your collection, you have one of your father's Omegas. Yes, I do. And I yeah. That's a special watch to you and. Yeah. And so that's just, you know, it's cool. It is really cool. It is really cool. I mean, I, I think it's really funny how my my father was not a watch collector in any way. Like he wears a G-Shock now that I bought him a few years ago because it's just, that's it. And he can only ever wear that. Um, but yeah, he, he didn't even buy that watch as a, you know, like I said, as a, the idea of ever gifting it down. He, he just remembers buying it as a young, uh, a young junior soldier who were in Germany because he was effectively told if you're going to buy a watch, buy it in Germany because it's cheaper. And if yeah. you're going to buy a good one, you buy a Rolex or an Amiga and he just went and bought one, you know, uh -huh. and it's just, it's great. He had no idea about ever, you know, I said handing it down at all, but, um, What's really funny is when it was serviced after he did hand it down to me, he immediately asked for it back. <laughs> Which is quite funny. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it is really cool to have that, uh, that, that, um, I called it a rite of passage, you know, having that handed down to you. I think it's really cool. Um, you, you obviously stated earlier that you, uh, you obviously use your watches as tools similar to I, and obviously a lot of the listeners here will use their watches as tools. Uh, and obviously you said that, um, it surprised quite a few of us when you said that you wear them at work. I just assumed that you wore them at work and took it off, like I said, for calls. I didn't realize you actually wore them in the fire. So do you actually wear them over your gear or do you wear them under the gear? You know what I mean? Yeah. So actually they do, they go under and, uh, again, that's kind of, uh, why the straps and the watch itself are so important that they're, they're made well is, mm -hmm. Um, it's not so much the heat, because uh, again, they're under my gear, mm -hmm. so they shouldn't be, you know, dealing with a, a ton of heat. But um, you get, you know, obviously really wet mm -hmm. during the structure fire, and so being able to withstand the the moisture and just being basically beat up. Yeah, you know, and you know our sleeves are super tight, so there's a lot of stress being put on. The watch and the strap so uh i've got all the confidence in the world on yeah, on my sayings and the zulu straps so mm -hmm. zulu straps so that's why i've gone with those and you know kind of how we use them for work you know again we've got technology now that we probably don't need watches but um i know probably some of your listeners are ems and firefighters and when they actually start thinking about how much they do use their watch, it probably surprise mm -hmm. them because it's not, you know, if we're on a medical call and we're dealing with a patient, I can't just pull out my phone. No, you know, got to track vitals and that kind of thing or uh, mark a time of when I push the medication, something like that. Um, it's just so convenient to be able to look down on my wrist and not have to worry about anything else. So just having that there. And then the same with the military, just we've got places to be certain times. You know, we've got to keep track of our, our schedule and our days. So, um, yeah, they're just, they're such great tool washes. And um, I know a lot of guys wear the G-Shocks and a lot of guys at work do. And that's that's fine. You know, that's their, mm -hmm. you know, people can wear whatever they want. But I just love having, uh, you know, like a traditional watch or like yeah. the, a mechanical watch, something that's, you know, just uh, – again, kind of traditional. And what's important for us is having that secondhand watch so that we can track, you know, seconds for vitals and that kind of thing. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you that, uh, you know, obviously, I mean, you, you kind of answered it anyway. You, obviously you said that you obviously wear an analog watch for, for that reason and you like wearing it because it's more traditional. Your counterparts wear G-Shocks and I guess other either connected watches or, you know, digital watches. 
do you get any of your colleagues at work notice the watch that you wear and ask you why you wear it or have you managed to coerce any of your colleagues to go off and have a look at other options as it were um yeah, has that conversation they, ever happened it does get noticed quite a bit uh my singings do get noticed a lot and again just because it's different mm -hmm. from what other people wear and you know for you and i and your, and your listeners uh a singing is a regular day watch you know yeah. it's nothing different to us but for other people um that really stands out and so I usually get questions about it and I'll go into my spiel about them but uh for some people that price is kind of a hurdle yeah of course. at first you know yeah, yeah but then we start talking to them that you know well, how many watches have you gone through yeah and it's if you want to spend you know 50 bucks on a watch and keep replacing it every few months then go ahead but eventually you're going to add up to what you're going to spend on, on, on a singing yeah, exactly. equivalent, you know. So, but yeah, they get noticed, and even just going out in public, people notice the watches. Really? Again, people, if you actually pay attention, and I know you do, and I do, what people yeah. are wearing. So many people these days are wearing smart watches or connected watches, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. That you notice when someone's wearing the analog or more traditional watch. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. No, that's really cool. That is really cool. Um, in terms of your work, you know, like you said, uh, obviously, you know, you're EMS, you obviously fight fires and all that kind of stuff. Is there any particular moment where, you know, you can obviously, you know, you set, uh, memory at work where you can, you know, look at your atlas and think, oh, I remember that. That was a pretty particularly interesting scenario or anything like that. Is there anything that kind of stands out from you, you know, for you, you know, or any of your watches that you've taken into work where you kind of associate an event with your watch or not? You know, uh, not, not really. Um, I guess I do kind of have one we can hit on, but mm -hmm. again, you know, my job is my job and, mm -hmm whether we have a fire or not that's just kind of again that's what i do yeah you know so it's not anything too crazy and it's not some so there's like a specific instance that i remember having my atlas on but it's more the fact that it's been there every day yeah with me you know what yeah. i mean uh, just kind of like you i know your neptune was your deployment watch for yeah a long time and other guys getting deployed with their watches and then it just holds kind of a special place um kind of a a funny story that I know you were involved in a little bit was when the black Merlin was going to get dropped. <laughs> yes, I remember this one. Yeah. And I was wearing my Tad Merlin that day and I was sitting there watching the the clock tick down for the black Merlin drop. I'm like, "All right, now I'm going to get in on this." And literally minutes before the drop happened, we caught a structure fire. And mm -hmm. it was a big one too. And I was like, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> so yeah, I actually wore my Tad Merlin through that fire. Uh, and again, I think that might surprise guys because it's an expensive watch, mm -hmm. but you know, to me, they're tool watches and they're made to do that. You know, Jake and Paris make those things be beat up and worn, but uh, that was just kind of a funny story, I think. And it all worked out in the end. Yeah. I, I remember the conversation because I remember, <laughs> Are asking you because obviously we've spoken in the days leading up to that draft and I said, ah, did you get it then? And I remember the response and I remember just seeing the photo of a fire and you was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, no. yeah that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, 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 that was it. I was just like, oh yeah, that makes, that kind of makes sense. He was working that day. Um, but yeah, that was, that was actually really funny. Um, so obviously we've, we've also hinted at, you know, connected watches and smart watches uh, and another facet of your life, which I didn't realize, uh, obviously is your love for running and all things marathons and ultra marathons. So do you want to delve into a little bit about what, I guess, what got you into that, but then also the fact that obviously you don't use uh, more traditional watches it were for, for when you do your training, um, kind of talk about the watches that you use for that. Sure. Uh... So I think maybe 2010, I did my first marathon and that was really like the first running race I've ever done. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of was like, you know what? I want to do one. I did it. The weather was horrible. It was freezing. I was like, I'm never doing another one. Well, was this? Time. It was actually the Disney World Marathon. So it was down in Florida. 
in January. You'd think the weather would be halfway decent, but it was. Yeah, like I, I would have thought it would have been more. Record cold temperatures that year. Uh, so I was like, I'm never going to do it again. And then a couple weeks later, I was signed up for something else. And then that's kind of led me into ultra running. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess I kind of have the personality that once I do something, I think I'm going to be satisfied and then I'm not. So I have to find the next harder thing. Yeah. And so that's where ultra marathon or marathons turn into ultra marathons. And uh, so technically, um, and it's still on schedule. I'm doing a 24 hour event next two weekends from now. Okay. Uh, is that just uh, a, a race or is that for charity or is it, you know what I mean? Is there a reason for this or is it just to you know, fresh yeah, yourself? Just a, just a race. And yep. uh, I had uh, multiple ones scheduled this year that got canceled because of, you know, the COVID year we've had. Yeah. But uh, it'll be my, my third ultra. Um, I did a 50K a few years back. Um, I did a 100 miler last year. And so for anybody who doesn't really know, basically uh, an ultra marathon would be 50K or above. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a 100 mile would be the gold standard as far as thinking like a, a true ultra marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go to crazy distances. Uh, they go even past a hundred miles, but, uh, yeah, I did a hundred miler last year and the same thing during that race. I'm like, man, this sucks. I'm not doing, I'm yeah. not ever doing this again. And then a uh, week goes by and I'm like, all right, what's next. And that's, uh, where the 24 hour event came mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get a hundred miles in that 24 hours but uh we'll see we'll see how it goes so i've been training most of the year for that mm-hmm. and uh i'm i'm ready for the race i'm ready to get it to get it going especially after the year we've had yeah but, no i i bet you're itching to get out just because of the year we've had that sounds really really quite impressive the furthest i've ever run in one go is half a marathon uh, and yeah. that was for charity and I got to the end of that and I was like, nah, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> and unlike you, Drew, I have never done it again. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, that's a, a rare thing for me to have to run more than five miles in, in, in one go, which clearly you can just do it, you know, without thinking. Um, yeah, I wish there was a part of me that was just like, I did that, I'm good. Yeah. And uh, when I signed up for the 100 miler, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this one and I'm going to be happy with it. Yeah. And I'll say I did it and I'll check it off the box, but, uh, uh, kind of looking towards the future. And, uh, so when you're doing these races, you kind of have a crew or in my case, my crew is my fiance. Mm -hmm. And for that hundred miler, she was up the entire time. Yeah. Through the whole day and through the middle of the night, kind of following from aid station to aid station. And, so much to her, uh, I think this may kind of looking towards the next few years, I might be looking at uh, even longer races. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. That's, that's really cool as a, as a challenge. I, I wouldn't join you personally on the actual running. If you turned around to me and said, can you get over and be the support crew? I would definitely do that. But yeah, not running 100 miles. Um, yeah. what, what is the time that you, you completed your 100 miles in? Just out of my own interest now, I'm just wondering how long it would take. Yeah, so my goal, my goal obviously was the finish. Um, yeah. I've never run that far before. Um, I actually finished in 28 hours. Oh, and okay. my goal was 24, and that's why uh, I signed up for the 24-hour event this year to try and knock out 100 in that. Um, and it was kind of a combination of things. Uh, the weather was really bad. Mm-hmm. It rained for a lot of the race, and the course was – so muddy and slippery yeah you just lost a lot of time and waste a lot of energy Mm -hmm. and you know it's not i'm not using that as an excuse you know 
But Wait, uh, you traveled you traveled a hundred miles in twenty eight hours. Like I've not done that. It's, you yeah. know what I mean? That's impressive. You know, obviously people can do it a lot faster than me, but yeah. you know, that's why I got it in and I'm pleased. You know, I was mm. happy I was done and you know, that's something I can say I did. So that's really cool. That is really cool. Um, you've obviously hit, you told me obviously before we started recording the, uh, the kind of watches that you use for those events, but odd, oddly enough, it's not actually a, a Sangin Merlin that you use for that event. So um, you said that you used a Sunto. Uh, yeah. The, was there a reason why you went for Sunto and not and not Garmin, or is it just you know what I mean personal preference on that? Or is there actually better? Has it got better you know um, software on it for the particular events that you you do? So yeah, the, uh, the Garmin's are great watches and I know I've actually, I've had a Garmin before and it was a great watch. Um, the thing that led me to, I have the Sunto 9 Barrow or Barrow mm -hmm. and uh, the battery life on it is absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're doing like ultra marathons, I can't have a watch that's going to die, you know, in five hours. Yeah. Yeah. I need something that's going to last the entire time. And the Sunto, it uh, has multiple settings that it can track everything for 24 hours. Yeah. It'll last 24 hours tracking my heart rate, the distance, my pace, a mm -hmm. bunch of other things constantly. Or I can change the settings. It actually has like a, I don't know the exact term they use, but it's basically like a, an endurance mode yeah and it can last like over 100 hours yeah and basically the gps isn't pinging as often so it doesn't it doesn't use the batteries much yeah but you know i don't when i'm running a long distance like that i don't need the gps to be constantly going mm -hmm. you know it, it picks up enough to be able to uh to track you know just enough for me to know how far i've gone and stuff like yeah. that so that's why i went to it because you know, just to have, it's actually incredible that uh, a watch like that can last that long. Yeah. Still tracking my pace, still tracking the distance I've gone, still tracking my heart rate. Mm -hmm. And those are the important things for me that I, you know, keep track of when I'm going. Yeah, of so that's why I went with the Sunto and uh, man, it's, a, I have no idea what all it does. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, I use it for running. It can do so much more. I think I can use it for golf. I haven't looked in that far. It's just, yeah. it's got, it, the, the things that it does are, are endless. And I know that we've kind of talked about it. You know, obviously I'm a fan of more traditional watches, but some of the things that these, uh, you know, smart watches can do, it's incredible technology. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree with you right there. Um, my, my Suntos that I have in my collection are nowhere near as complicated as yours. I've got some of the original battery operated, um, abc variants uh, so the core the vector and an advisor but even them when you look at the the menu like on the the user guide for the for, like i said even them uh it's really complicated the kind of things that you can set them up to do and how the sensors work and it's just like this was back in late 90s early 2000s that those modules were made and you're like that's that's actually mental you know yeah. and then, like you said when you when you add in the fact that you can get like you said the the, the current ones uh, and that's the same goes for Garmin as well you just sit there and kind of go you know I can do anything with these it's it's, it's yeah. mental um, but yeah no that's really cool that's really cool that you uh, see a need in a traditional watch but then also lean into I guess what yeah as you, as we've said all the way through uh, what people would class as a smart slash um, connected watch for uh, a, in your case, obviously a particular event. And I think it's really good that you don't necessarily, like I said, hate on one for another, which is really good. And I find yeah. in this, uh, the wider hobby, not just, not, I guess, not specifically military watches, but I find, you know, when you see on Instagram and you listen to podcasts in my case or whatever, you read up about other watches and you listen to other people's opinions. And it, I always find that people are very much a, uh, no, it's got to be a traditional watch or nothing you know, and they, they don't yeah. understand that there is a need for, for both, you know, and I, th I think that's quite, uh, quite sad really when you think about it, because actually a quartz watch, a digital watch is just an evolution of watchmaking and, you know, the history of it. And like you said, it's just the, the amount of technology in it is insane. All right. Yeah. You don't have a, 
uh, an old bloke with glasses and a beard, you know, building your watch movement. Um, you, you know what I mean? It's all automated computer systems doing it, but that's still an advancement of technology that we wouldn't have had. And it's, it's mental. Um, well, especially when you look at watches kind of like we do as tools. Yeah. You know, not so much. I don't look at my watches as jewelry. Like I know yeah. some people do and, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, if you're wearing them for a fashion statement, there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, there's so many watches out there and so many serve different roles mm -hmm. and there's a place really for all of them. Yeah. You know? definitely. Again, we go back to G shots. I mean, I've never owned one. I know guys that do and they're great watches, mm -hmm. you know, tons of military guys, uh, use them, tons of first responders use them. And, uh, you know, again, there's a place for them. And, um, if they do the job you need them to do, then that's what they're there for. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, uh, I've only ever had one G-Shock in my entire, like, collecting slash my, I guess, really properly in my life. But, uh, but yeah, I only ever had one, and that was uh, when I went through basic training. So there you go. Um, is there any watches on the horizon that you're looking out for? And <laughs> I, know that, I know one of them, because obviously we've had a conversation about it a lot, and uh, I believe it's due to obviously come to that, that project's obviously due to come to fruition for that company uh, around the end of the year for Christmas. But is there any other watches that you have been looking at? Yeah, uh, man, hopefully uh, my fiance doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> you know, it kind of... Uh, we yeah, won't send her we the link, of, it's fine. It's fine. We'll, we, we'll, yeah. we'll <laughs> we can kind of break it up into um, a couple of categories. Mm -hmm. One are the possible, you know, the the watches that are probably in the pipeline for me uh, down the road. Uh, obviously, you know, the saying and Overlord. Yeah. I'm um, really excited, and I know you are too, to see that one come out. Yes. Um, that just seems like such a cool watch. And again, uh, you know, the history of my grandfather serving in World War II. And just having that military connection mm -hmm. that he's trying to create with that watch. And uh, he put it on airborne soldiers, troops yeah. to test it. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's what that watch is supposed to honor and then put it on those guys to field test it. Yeah. It's just awesome. And that speaks volumes to what they're doing over there. But um, the other one coming up soon is the, uh, the Zulu Alpha Holton. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to that one. Obviously, uh, you know, we've seen pictures of it. And it looks like, it just looks like such a nice watch. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like it, it looks like a really cool project. Um, and after I went down to Elliot Brown uh, in August, um, admittedly there weren't any Zulu Alpha Bronze Holtons there, because obviously we've just seen the photos uh, and the digital renders, but I did get to see um, the, bronze watches when we were down there and from seeing them handling them i can tell you um, that anyone who buys a bronze cased holton um whether it's a bronze case holton normal an automatic or the, the zulu alpha version they're going to be really pleased with that case finish and the, and the overall design because it is just fantastic um yeah. i do, um, I, as you know, don't really like bronze watches because it's just the kind of the color of the case that I just don't, doesn't really do much for me. Um, I understand that it does a lot more for other people, and I also understand why Darren's gone for it with a connection for navy and diving and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would still wear that watch because it's just a slightly different kind of shade, and the way that they've done that bronze is just so much nicer compared to other watches I've seen, which are yeah. obviously marketed as bronze watches. So yeah well yeah and then the you know the second portion of that would be like kind of the bigger watches that mm -hmm. have one day and one one just one of my all-time favorite watches is the omega railmaster yeah that's cool think, yeah to me it's just it's just a pretty watch and it it just has such a classic look i think it it can go with anything and uh you obviously know a little history on them um being in uh did some one country's pilots wore them correct the yes yeah so a railmaster at some point was issued uh, i'm gonna have to go back through my memory and the archives of the zulu time podcast here 
I believe it was the Pakistan Air Force issue at right. one point. Um, but I mean, taking that side of away, the military connection, just the engineering within the railmasters, like the modern ones, you know, the, the Metas um, certification is just far surpasses any other kind of industry standard um, for certifications for mechanical watches. You know, there's no other way to say it. Um, but also even the original ones, you know, they were made for engineers, you know, it was the, it was the Amiga answer effectively to the Milgauss, you know, and the rail master, as it suggests, obviously it was really important for timing movement of rail, um, be that, you know, commercial rail, um, or industry and all that kind of stuff. So it's clearly a very well made watch with a lot of history in that. Um, and it's really cool. So now I would, uh, I personally wouldn't add one because I've got the Explorer, which is very similar. Um, mm -hmm. But I can understand why people would look at the uh, the Rail Master as a really good option. Um, I think if I was to go with, to that level of Amiga in that kind of style, personally, I would look at an Aquaterra because I think they're yeah. really cool as well. Uh -huh. That is that's, really that's another one that's super nice. And they've come out with so many different uh, uh, colors and styles of it lately. Yeah. It's yeah. just it's just another one, which is super nice. And obviously we know the history of Omega and there's such quality watches. Yeah. Yeah. But I think uh I'm gonna probably get, you know, I'm probably gonna have to put you know, put my name to this now and people are probably gonna hold me to this for the rest of the podcast. But I think Amiga are probably my favorite uh Swiss Swiss luxury watch brand. I think like yeah. even compared to Rolex and I own both. Um, I, I genuinely think Amiga do more. Uh, they've got more personality, definitely, in terms of their designs as well. Um, but also, if you were to punch into that level of money, whether you buy them new or new or, or used, you're not you're not getting, you know, what I mean, something rubbish for what you're paying. You're getting something really well made and something, right. like I said, you know, really cool. Um, as a watch so uh so yeah i think amiga are definitely the ones if i had to pick any swiss luxury watch brand that would be the the brand that i would stay with so yeah and then the other one obviously we've talked about as well as the vertex yes uh, and just knowing what they do knowing again the history and uh how that company was resurrected again mm -hmm. and then again you know like when you're talking about like the m100 you, you just can't go buy that one. Yeah. You know, you have to have served in the military or be, I think, one of the original owners. Uh, I'll watch. So you can be referred. Yeah. So you, well, you can yeah. basically be referred. So, for example, um, I could refer you because I own an M100. Right. Um, and like I said, it, some people, and obviously when you read the reviews and you look at the history of, of Vertex in the modern era as it were and especially when you read the reviews on the m100 a lot of people obviously kind of slate that um or at least have a bit of a negative mindset like oh but why is it limited and you know and i think it's uh, i think the way that they've done it is right i think he's done it really well to limit it to a to a a pool of people like i said who either you know is the modern equivalent of those who would have had it the original or like you said just limiting it to people who would appreciate that kind of watch and you know appreciate being i guess a part of a little bit of a club and uh i think it's done really well so if you if you want me to refer you <laughs> i can definitely refer you that's not a problem <laughs> i am all up for uh increasing the uh the vertex family as it were um you gotta build yeah, those no. watch funds up. <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure you'll be able to do it in fact you just don't tell the fiance how much it is and you just just do it anyway yeah. you know Ask, wasn't it ask ask forgive um ask forgiveness not permission is what that's I right yeah. yeah um but yeah no that's a really cool watch as well um so those are the ones that you're obviously looking for or, or you know potentially looking at getting mm -hmm. in the future that's pretty cool um before we move on to closing notes uh and obviously looking at obviously uh where we can find you on the internet in terms of your your instagram handles and stuff um do you want to let the good listeners know about your latest venture in the world of handkerchiefs? Yeah. So, uh, I'm not really sure how I got, I shouldn't say that. So, you know, the handkerchief, I've just always kind of been intrigued by them. Um, I remember like my grandfather having one on him mm -hmm. most of the time and 
I just kind of, to me, it's kind of like a nostalgic item. Yeah. You know, and you, when you look at kind of the, some of the traditions that our grandparents had, like the way they dress and stuff like that has kind of gone by the wayside. I think, you know, when you yeah. think about people used to get dressed up to travel. Yeah. You know, men wore suits and women wore dresses just to travel on an airplane. And so the handkerchief to me is kind of that, um, you know, maybe that kind of that throwback to that generation and kind yeah. of an item yeah. that's been lost as we move forward. And so I started Mod Hanks, which is M-O-D-H-A-N-K-S. Um, and it's brief. I was actually, so I was talking to my mom. And I was like, you know, I kind of like the idea of modern Hank, you know, mm -hmm. it's my take on the traditional handkerchief. Yeah. And she's like, well, why don't you call it Mod Hank? That's easy. Yeah, yeah. I was like, perfect. So we'll go down that road. And uh, my mom's kind of semi-retired. And she's pretty crafty and likes sewing and that kind of thing. So I was like, do you think this is something that we could take on, first of all? Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's like, yeah, absolutely. So I started kind of uh, browsing around for different fabric, um, finding styles that I liked. The big one right now that we have is a sugar skull pattern, which I think is really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. I've seen a lot of the, you sent me some of the photos of that as well. And I've seen, uh, seen it on your Instagram as well. I think it's a really cool pattern. It's quite unusual and funky. And like I said, it's modern, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, like when we kind of going back to some of the, the companies that I like is you know, these aren't mass produced handkerchiefs, you know, mm -hmm. I say that they're, you know, limited run on Instagram or on my website. Uh, and they truly are, mm -hmm. you know, some of the fabric I can only find one time. Yeah. And we can maybe get, you know, like half a dozen handkerchiefs out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So when those are gone, they're gone. And uh, if I have to order fabric, I'll order like a sample yeah, and get it in to make sure it's the quality that we want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm looking for, yeah, it's kind of a fashion statement, but it's also another tool. Of course. Yeah. You know, and the people kind of don't realize, you know, I've, before we even started selling them, uh, I carried one around me for months mm -hmm. you know, through work and through summertime. And, they really come in handy and they're just nice to have, especially in the summertime, you know, whether, you know, you're wiping your face off or cleaning your, your sunglasses, that kind of thing. But, you know, yeah, they're, they're cool. They're fun to take pictures with and that kind of thing, but they're made to be used. You yeah, know, definitely. they're made to be taken out and, and uh, put in your pocket and go to work with, and you can wash them when you get home. Uh, so that's kind of while I take, you know, like, you know, the everyday carry kind of thing that's yeah. popular on Instagram yeah. right now. Yeah. So I take those pictures, but, uh, you know, that's not really who I am. I'm, you know, this week starting hunting season out here. And so in two days from now, I'll be out in a deer stand and I'll have one of my handkerchiefs with me. Yeah. And I'll probably try and take a couple pictures for the Instagram page. But, you know, those are the type of people that we're trying to, uh, to market per se. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, they're not mass produced. I'm buying the fabric. Uh, my mom's running around buying fabric and mm -hmm. uh, she's sewing them in her living room. She's got fabric yeah. all over the place. So uh, I think that's just kind of cool. You know, if you message me on Instagram, uh, it's Mod Hanks or on our uh, website, modhanks.com, uh, you're going to get me. Like I'm running that stuff. Yeah, and I'll respond to you. So, uh, you know, I just think that's neat. And that's something that uh, a lot of companies don't do anymore. But uh, that's really special with the companies, you know, like a Sangin or some other company or Zulu Alpha companies like that. Yeah. So, yeah, check them out. I think they're cool. And actually, one of the ZT listeners has purchased one. So that was really cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, <laughs> I'll put all the links for that down into the show notes as well. And also what we'll do is um, 
afterwards uh we'll throw some photos up of like said, maybe a watch and your and one of your handkerchiefs and we'll tag both yourself and and mod hanks in there and we'll put it up when we obviously this episode airs which would be really cool um but now i'm looking forward to checking out your uh, your handkerchief website as, as well and and uh, supporting you uh, as you've supported the podcast as well so so that'll be really cool um you've obviously already said uh, at modhanks and obviously modhanks.com um is there anywhere else that the listeners can find you on, uh, on the gram or stuff like that for watches or anything like that sure uh my personal instagram is drewboy2334 um mm-hmm. i don't post a lot of content but obviously i do post watch stuff and um we travel quite a bit uh, we really like being outdoors so you'll see some of the pictures like that but that's my personal instagram and if people want to hop on and check it out, that's perfectly fine. Again, I'm not, I don't live too exciting life, but <laughs> I do get out and do some fun stuff. So. No, that's cool. That's cool. They can also follow your uh, escapades when it comes to running 100 miles. Uh, that's right. And, yeah, that's and right. ultra running on there, which <laughs> will be really good to, uh, I guess, literally follow in, you know, follow your, your, um, your uh, endeavors in that, which would be really cool. Um, so I guess in a uh, traditional ZT episode, tradition we're gonna uh finish on closing notes drew so uh, as you're the guest uh what closing note do you have for the listeners today so before i get i've got two before we get into yeah. that have you started watching cobra kai yes i have yes what do you think? I have. it's really good it's really good so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be finishing season one uh tonight in fact after we finish uh, recording i'm going to finish season one and then i'll have season two to enjoy at points while i am away on another two-week exercise so hopefully my internet will be good enough for when i'm not working to to do that to do uh season two but if not i'll have that to look forward to when i get back but no it's really cool isn't it i like how there's like little um you know hints to a the film uh in like how the characters or the actors are dressed as well which is quite cool but i also like how they have obviously clipped in bits of the original film because we were watching it and i realized that um there's obviously a generation that have grown up probably not watching the original you know and they probably grew up watching the what i would say is the awful uh jackie chan remake which probably didn't need to be remade because it was (laughs) it was dire um and i it really clearly ruined um karate kid for me but um, what I liked about Cobra Kai is that if there is obviously people who haven't seen the original, they don't have to necessarily watch the, the first film to understand what's happening. But then obviously the joy of Netflix, they've obviously put the original film on there as well. So if people do watch Cobra Kai, they can go and watch the, um, Karate Kid. But yeah, no, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, yeah. I assume you are as well, or at least I, have, because I assume you finished it. I did. I did finish it. And it's just one of those shows you can't stop watching it. Yeah it just kind of snags you and, and uh, yeah, it's good. I'm looking forward. Apparently the third season's coming out sometime next year. So uh, yeah, I'll look forward to that. Yeah. I, I heard that there's a, they, they've scoped for a third season. So that's really good. Um, yeah. But yes, now I have watched it. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, don't ruin season two for me. And I'll, uh, I'll have <laughs> to update you in a later episode in the podcast uh, for you to listen to and my thoughts on season two. But obviously I will definitely message you when I finish season one as well. So so, yeah. Yeah. But, so, um, uh, moving on. Uh, so I'm a I'm a baseball fan. I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, playoffs are go- just started. They're going on. Um, so my first one to be a podcast, and it's called the Compound Podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and it's actually hosted by a couple of Cubs players. Yeah. And it's just it's just kind of cool, especially if you're a Cubs fan. It's just kind of neat because they talk about uh they do I, I don't know how many episodes are on now but it's going throughout the season yeah. and you really get kind of a you know a firsthand insight to the players yeah you know their personalities which you normally don't get to see mm-hmm. uh and kind of how they take things throughout the season yeah and so it's just kind of neat and if you're into any of that kind of stuff i definitely recommend that against the the compound podcast um uh, yeah the other one would be um uh the book three days on the brink okay by brett bear and uh, i do a lot of audio because i listen to books when i'm running books or podcasts yeah Yeah. 
and the audio is just as it, the audio is the audiobook's a good one. Um, it's it's well done, and it mainly focuses around FDR in the days of World War II. Okay, but also touches on Stalin and Churchill. Yeah, and kind of the relationship of the three of them, and how they got through World War II. So it's a it's a really good one. Yeah, no, that sounds like something I'll have to check out as well. Um, that is always interesting, actually, to see how those three leaders um, on the obviously on the Allied side uh, kind of yeah got on and how they didn't get on in certain ways and how obviously that it affected is, yeah. the the different ways and obviously all the outcome of obviously of the Second World War really and obviously and how the outcome of the Second World War then went on to affect the Cold War. That's is is yep. genuinely mm -hmm. really interesting. Um, so yeah, no, I've 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 noted those down and they'll also go into the. Uh, into the show notes for, for the listeners to go and find. Um, my closing note for this episode is actually a photography book. Um, so I didn't get the chance to go to the gallery. So effectively, um, there's um, a travel journalist, is probably the best way to, to describe him. I've mentioned him on the podcast before, is a guy called Leveson Wood. So Leveson Wood is uh, an ex-British Army paratrooper, uh, paratrooper officer. Uh, he's now a reserves officer. Um, and he set himself like loads of kind of challenges and he's a bit of a philanthropist and travel writer, photographer, documenter and all that kind of stuff now. Uh, but he is the only man in the world to walk the length of the Nile in one go. That was obviously televised as a documentary series, but he turned it into a book, an audio book and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he then went on uh, to do uh, the length of the Himalayas, which is interesting. So to walk the length of the Himalayas in one go. Um, he's also done the Darien Gap. He's done uh, the entire Arabian Peninsula as well. Uh, and he recently got back, uh, I say recently, it finished filming obviously just before uh, lockdown and Corona and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it was released in that time uh, earlier this year. Uh, and he followed the great African migration of elephants, which is interesting. Uh, but basically, out of all of his travels, he's always got a camera. So yeah. what he's compiled uh, was in the Leica gallery, because obviously he's now sponsored by Leica, um, was uh, a series of images that he'd obviously taken throughout his entire, like, I guess, last 10 years of, of traveling. Uh, and it's split down into various different subcategories. So, for example, one is um, heritage, where he talks about the heritage of the countries that he's been to and, and all that kind of stuff. And there's obviously images in there that he classes as heritage. There's some under there about conflict and all that kind of stuff. So it's really interesting to see these images a, all together but also he writes obviously about each image. So it gives you the background of the image and he obviously talks about how he took the, took the image. If it's of a person, he'll give the story of the person as well. So it's um, a book called Encounters um, and it's obviously by Leverson Wood. You can buy it on Amazon now. Um, but I believe that the gallery, as it were, the actual um, photo gallery is due to travel the world at some point or at least he oh, will really? talk about it because he does do guest you know speaking kind of events where he'll book i guess an auditorium out around the world and he'll talk about his experiences as well so if you're into like that kind of stuff like you said you're into travel uh, and all that kind of good stuff in terms of photography and i guess like history of the world conflict people he's just a really interesting person to follow um and any of those documentaries that i mentioned um that he's done um are also really good so um check that out basically so that's that's my closing note um drew it's been an absolute pleasure mate to get you on and for you to be the first person to be a part of the uh, collector's interview series as it were so thank you very much for coming back uh, for coming on um is there anything else that you want to say before we finish the episode no i, I really appreciate you having me on um for any of the listeners that aren't on uh i'd say get on the uh zt group me yeah that's just great conversation uh, a lot of good people on there um but yeah it's been my privilege it's been uh i've really enjoyed it thanks for having me on no i've really enjoyed it too drew 
Um, thank you for coming on and also look forward to, mate, being the first person to receive um, a Zulu Time podcast patch as well. So there you go. There's another incentive, guys. If you want a, a patch um, for supporting the, the podcast, if you come on and let me talk to you, uh, talk with you about watches for other people to listen to, you will also get a patch uh, in return for your time. So, yeah. Look forward to that patch. Um, I will get that out to you as soon as possible. I aim to get that out to you this weekend before I uh, go away for two weeks. And then I hope to see um, that patch together with some of the mod hanks uh, on your on Definitely. your pages, man. That'd be really Definitely. cool. If there's if there's one thing that watch lovers love as much as watches, it's probably patches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, is the fact that they. As, as collections, they both become very extensive very quickly, I've found. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. But no, awesome. um, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll, um, you'll enjoy getting that and hopefully you'll, you'll uh, take that on to obviously certain trips away with you. That would be cool to see um, where these patches end up. I think, I think mm -hmm. what I might do is when more of these patches get out there in the wild, as it were, I might set a challenge and see who can put the patch in the most unusual place. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, very anyway, cool. Drew, thank you very much for coming on. And until next time, guys, we'll catch you later. Uh, stay safe and look forward to the next episode.